So what happened in that cone, we would grow mushrooms and we let it rain. So another innovator, he created this machine to harvest water out of the desert air. And we used that, and for that we used the, the, the energy of the sun, so everything was connected. And with that machine we could make it rain 1200 liters a day in the middle of this cone. This is the Gibble podcast. Every episode I talk to persons that shine a new light on our built environment. I'm Jessica, editor of Get Inspired by Light magazine. Get Inspired by Light is an initiative of Trilux. Today my guest is architect Michiel Raaphorst of V8 Architects. Together with solar designer Marjan van Aubel, he designed the solar pavilion for the latest Dutch Design Week and the Dutch pavilion for the World Expo in Dubai. Is the sun our solution to the LNG crisis? A conversation on sustainability, solar design and the power of using your imagination. Yeah, my name is Michiel Raaphorst, I'm an architect and co-founder of V8 Architects, an office based in Rotterdam. And we now exist for 11 years. I founded the company together with Rudolf Eilander. And I also say we were born in the crisis. So we were architects, but we really had to learn how to become entrepreneur and how to basically create business together with friends and other relatives. What was the first thing you had to learn being an entrepreneur? Well, uh, yeah, being an architect, you are basically sitting behind your desk and making sketches and trying to solve a puzzle. Uh, but we really had to learn to go out and to meet people who are actually owner of a problem. We, as an architect, you solve problems, you could say, together with other people, of course. But to solve a problem, you need first need to get a problem. So we were really going out there and talking to owners of buildings. At that time, there were a lot of... Uh, vacant uh, office buildings, which need to be transformed into housing. Uh, just talking to problem owners and uh, showing them that there are also solutions possible to their problem. That I think is the basis of, uh, of our office. And if we go a bit further back, can you remember maybe a specific incident or time in your life when you were captured by architecture? I grew up in a house which was I say permanently under construction. My father renovated our own house, basically. Every hour of the day, I was confronted with uh, stairs moving to another position, walls being positioned, layout of space. So I think there, and I had a fascination for drawing and imagination, creating your own, say, worlds. So I think it's a combination of two, that uh, you dream of, of space, of worlds, of stories. And you see those stories being constructed in your own environment, basically. Yeah. I was 10 years old, I think. So I, I was so stubborn. I said, I want to become an architect. Yeah, from that early on. Yeah, but there were all many, many moments in my life after that that I was very stubborn and said, I quit architecture. I don't want to be an architect anymore. And, and what was the reason for that? Uh, I, was, I was bored. Architecture, for me, could also be, especially doing studies, can be a very boring, boring study uh, where everything is uh, minimized or limited to analysis, dry solutions. I think the power of architecture is really that you use your imagination, your fantasy, and create something which is meaningful to people. And that's so, that is often sometimes which is uh, based on intuition. Things you have seen maybe on a holiday or somewhere else visiting a, uh, a city and which is somewhere in the back of your head for 20 years already. And then you're busy with a project and then you think, wow, 
I need to use that that type, that policy, or that motive, or that material. So that's my love and hate uh, relation to architecture. Yeah. Is there one project in your mind or uh, one idea that if you'd have like limitless money and hmm. space that you would want to realize? Uh, no. And, and I, I say no. And that's really because uh, I realize now, and that's of course that uh, is, is, is growing since a few years, that we have to work within limits. Limitless is not the solution to nothing. We we live now in a in a time of scarcity. We have lack of labor. We have lack of money, of course. We have lack of energy, food, water. You name it. We have lack of space. We have lack of oxygen. You could say, uh, uh, fresh air. So as designers, we need to find solutions to work uh, within limits. Actually, to work with less materials and less money and less. So that's far more interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting answer. And also, I'd love to talk about uh, your cooperation also with solar designer Marianne van Aubel and the projects you did together with her. She coined the name solar designer herself. She calls herself that. She is very creative in designing new solar panels, but not just the panels you see on the on buildings, but it really looks like art and like mm -hmm. stained glass. I was really captivated by it. And... Uh, can you remember the, the first time you saw her? What was what was your impression of her? Our first contact was uh, was a telephone call because we were as architects uh, involved in the in the competition for the Dutch Pavilion for the World Expo in Dubai, and uh, what we wanted to do with that pavilion is to create a, a podium, you could say, uh, for all kind of artists, innovators, startup, all companies who are working on the you could say the crossover between art and technology to find answers for scarcity of water, energy, and food. So what we wanted to do is to, to find a beautiful way to harvest the energy of the sun through PV. So I just called her, I think, and asked if she would be willing to participate and to also contribute to the pavilion with a beautiful solution for solar energy. And at that moment, we didn't know what. Within the first brainstorms, we figured out well, it could be beautiful to create these skylights. And in those skylights, put the artwork of, uh, of Marianne. And that's how it started. What I like very much about Marianne is that she, also, she really understands that the same way as we approach our discipline is that you need imagination and a meaningful representation of technique to make it accepted and to make people uh, love it and appreciate it. And that's what she is doing with her, her projects. And that's also what uh, the, the Nellis Pavilion in, in Dubai was all about. Yeah, this was in 2020? Actually, it took place in 2021 because due to Corona, it was oh, right. uh, postponed with one year. Yeah, it, it, so it uh, lasted for six months in the, in the desert, desert? In, in Dubai. Yeah, 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 yeah. so I can imagine the sun plays a big part. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So for us, let's say the, 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 the whole idea about the Nellis Pavilion was how could you create a livable uh, environment in the middle of the desert where there's basically scarcity of everything. There's nothing there. So th this whole pavilion was built with uh, locally rented materials. It was really funny because we in the Netherlands we have a tradition in civil engineering and we built all these harbors and, and we're always busy with, with water. So we, uh, we found out that there was this Dutch company in Dubai who also rented out or they constructed a lot of harbor basins and, uh, and building pits for skyscrapers with sheet piles and those are these big steel elements which you drill into the ground to create a pit into the ground basically. So we rented all that material and we built this big box 
in the middle of the desert and in that big box we we created this biotope to harvest water energy and food and the, the the cool thing was that after the expo we could return all the materials back to the original owner so the we left a zero footprint and for us that was really important so if you do such a if you uh, participate in such a temporary event that you leave no trace behind except the legacy of course of knowledge and inspiration yeah it's beautiful i also read that marianne she just rolled up her solar panels and took them back home funny idea yeah it's not the, the first thing you that comes up in your mind when you think about solar panels they're like maybe lumpy and true yeah they just get i think they just get buried as as waste when their their lifespan is over the, the yeah. current uh, solar panels and yeah they're now new new companies who also recycle solar panels so luckily also there there's a revolution going on uh, but yes, and I think when we started with Marjan, the, the technology we used at the end, so the organic PV, was not even grown up at that time. The PV, the material, is based from organic materials. So the impact on the environment is far less than when it would be purely synthetic. And yes, it is a foil, basically. And the foil was then uh, placed between two glass panels. And the cool thing was it was completely um, demountable. So at the end, we could take out the, the foil from the glass panels and the glass panels can go to the future destination and the, the foil can be rolled up and brought back. Yeah, and it was in different colors as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was, she made a design where basically she, she took the logo of the project and put that in, in a very nice graphic language, you could say, which is mimicking the effect of uh, stained glass like you have in cathedrals or, or churches. And that was really also the effect which happened in the pavilion that you had this beautiful corroded steel going 50 meters up these, these steel walls and then the sunlight was casting in and it, it created these beautiful colored shadows this and this colorful play of light on the on the walls a cathedral of steel we call it could you explain a bit further what it what it looked like you could say it is a huge shoebox of uh, of steel so these, these steel profiles which you see in, in in building pits they would go up 15 meters and we made a shoebox with a big window in the front. So when people were passing by, at the end we had like one million visitors entering our pavilion. But they would pass by the shoebox, see this big window, almost like a shop window, you could say. And that was uh, made of inflatable, uh, uh, also biodegradable plastic. People would descend down. So we made this walkway going down five meters into the ground. And then you would arrive in the middle of the pavilion in a cone. So we made a cone, like a, it was 20 meters high, a diameter of 15 meters. But it was completely dark in that cone. There was no daylight there. But you, you felt it getting cold. It was 18 degrees in the middle of the desert. So it was a cold place. It was dark. It was also very humid and you could smell funny, funny flavor. And that was the flavor of mushrooms. So what happened in that cone, we would grow mushrooms and we let it rain. So another innovator he created this machine to harvest water out of the desert air and we used that and for that we used the, the, the energy of the sun so everything was connected and with that machine we could make it rain 1200 liters a day in the middle of this cone and basically that was the part of the show of the Nellis pavilion and due to that rain it became humid in that cone it became also cold and therefore we could grow mushrooms and, mu and mushrooms are of course food uh, but mushrooms are also the organism which produces the most carbon dioxide from all organisms. We didn't know, we, we were advised. That carbon dioxide would then leave the cone and is then used through photosynthesis by plants on the outside of the cone. 
And that's where the light of the sunlight of, of Marjan van Aubel uh, comes in. Because what her PV foil did, it split the light necessary to produce electricity. And uh, the light which is necessary to let the plants grow. And they produce oxygen, which we humans then use. So we created basically a biotope around all natural phenomena and uh, let people be inspired by the power of nature. And I think that's very essential. And that's then also the, the, the crossover with uh, what Marianne is, is doing with her projects to make technique being experienced by people. And uh, so technique is not something which happens in a black box far away, but it's part of your daily life. And then you can appreciate it. Yeah. So And, and was there enough energy from the sun to... Uh, well, we, what, we, what we needed to do is, because such an expo is bound by rules, you could say, we also needed as a backup to connect to the grid, the local grid for water and electricity. So we had to use also power from the, um, from the grid, from the Dubai authorities. But even the water, we had this 1,200 liters of water. We used it, of course, for irrigation of the plants. But what we also did is uh, offer it to drink. But then it would be mixed with half. So 50% of the water you, you drank in the pavilion was uh, harvested out of the air. And it was completed with 50% water from the local authorities. Yeah. So there were some rules which we just had to tie into. It's also maybe mesmerizing to think about that when I think of Dubai, I think of all these skyscrapers and going up in the air. Well, you might actually want to, if you want to have like a nice living conditions, you have to go in the ground. Yeah, well, that's very true. That also was our first analysis when we started this project, that you will find out that the Arab culture is so rich and so um, smart in finding solutions for how to live in the desert. Uh, if you are in the desert and in the morning you pick up a rock, you will find some some water, some some condensation underneath the rock, and if you understand that, they would also be able to to harvest some water in the in the, in the desert themselves. In uh, the ancient Iran, Persia, there was this there were these ancient windmills. They're UNESCO heritage these days, so they would build windmills with clay and, and wood to to create energy, basically. So yes, you're completely right. So, but somehow, through the um, discovery of oil, they made the oil made their life very easy and very rich. So they they moved away from those traditions. They moved away from understanding nature and how to live in these harsh conditions, and they just made it very comfortable for themselves. Yeah. And I remember I, I was also very, the first visit to Dubai when we were giving a presentation there. I was also very uh, skeptic about that that city and that environment and you know the stories about retired football players who are just lying on the beach and having a good time and yes indoor skiing but what was very hopeful to me is there's a very young, gen young generation in uh, in in, uh, in the emirates in the basically in the whole middle east and they also see what's happening in the world and they also have a desire for change so that's that's hopeful hi jessica here did you know you can see and read more on Michiel Raaphorst and the Solar Pavilion on GetInspiredByLight.com? Enjoy the rest of the conversation. Is it is the sun the solution for our energy crisis? I think it's you could say yes, it is, because one hour of the sun provides enough energy for a full year. For um, the whole Earth. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, of course, not only the sun, because you also need need ways to distribute the energy. 
store it evenly probably. store it store it and when there's no sun to have other means to uh, to harvest energy so the solution should always be in the in the mix uh, but i think the the problem is not this much not so, so much the harvesting of the energy but much more the distribution of the energy in a democratic mm. way well that's what we of course see happening now somebody uh closes the tap and there's no energy anymore yeah and that's also very interesting to to see that in the past of course we had energy uh you had the the energy companies who owned the wire basically so the connection to your house and the way with coil mostly they or gas they produce energy then we got the split between the, the networks and the energy providers and i'm really curious to see what's happening now with hydrogen and and battery packs, et cetera, et cetera. So who is owning the energy, basically? Yeah, that's what Marianne van Albert calls uh, solar democracy exactly. as well. Yeah. So that you can harvest yeah. your own energy and you're independent of the networks. And uh, exactly. of course, now you see, you see it happening, on a, but also mostly with the, the more the people with more means. They have their own houses. They can make it energy uh, neutral with solar panels and anything. But for people who rent houses or have less means, it's more difficult, of course. True. Yeah, yeah. And also there you would like to create some independency or some choice. So if their energy comes mobile, you could say, with hydrogen or a battery pack, uh, I would assume that gives much more uh, options to choose where you buy your energy from. Yeah. Instead of having a wire and not knowing who's at the other side of the wire and how sustainable is that energy. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, so you work together uh, again with Marianne van Aubel for the Solar Biennale on the Dutch yeah. Design Week, yeah, uh, 2022. Uh, yeah. Um, it, I I watched a documentary of uh, a Dutch documentary on the project, and you were in there as well. And I heard you say once, uh, I thought it wasn't going to happen. True. Yeah. Yeah. But that happens with every project. That's, yes. Yeah. You have your ups and downs. Eh? You start very optimistic and. Uh, Yes, it will happen. And then there are always moments you think, well, maybe not or in a different way. This was a very special project because Marianne called us in, in May and uh, uh, she was busy with the solar biennale and she had this idea to create a pavilion as a closure of the solar biennale and then to have it uh, built on the Dutch Design Week. Really, we were short a little bit of money because basically what we did, we, we called everybody in our network like a steel supplier, a structural engineer, a facade uh, a company who could make some kind of connections. Um, all parties from which we thought they believe in that mission eh, to work uh, with, with new energy, to work in this energy transition, but also to create a pavilion which is truly circular. And there was a, a local project developer who supported also with, uh, with, with some money, but still there was some money short and we couldn't fix it. And I had my hopes on the uh energy sector like the, the suppliers of energy to to help us out but none of them wanted to participate and that was uh kind of disappointing and frustrating because i thought well it's about energy transition so it's also your responsibility um and then uh yeah we thought well is it going to happen not going to happen and i remember uh, I slept uh, very bad for one night. Marjan slept very bad for one night, and even uh, some uh, the director of the Dutch Design Week. So we all had the same frustration. And how do we make it happen? So we decided here in the studio just to to shrink it a little bit, 
Yeah. It used to be 14 by 14 meters. We shrunk it a little bit to 10 by 10 meters. That was the last call, and then we could make it happen. At the end, there's always a solution. Yeah. Could you describe what it looks like? Yeah, it is basically what, what it does. It uh, makes the, uh, because let's say you harvest energy with a surface, no? it's PV in whatever form. You need surface to do so. But that surface is now either uh, PV solar farms, let's say, in, uh, in on the countryside. So we spoil our beautiful countryside. Yeah, the ugly, these ugly solar panel fields. Exactly, ugly. It's, uh, it's only ugly. Uh, or we put it on roofs. And I see it as uh, as blisters, you could say. So we know that we need this technique to harvest energy, but we haven't found a way to integrate it into our built environment. And that's really weird because especially the Dutch, we're so good in designing our country, designing our landscape, designing our buildings, but we haven't found a solution to integrate solar energy um, in that landscape and in that building. So we thought we need to bring that surface closer to the people. So that's what uh, that's what the Pavilion is all about. So we created the surface, 10 by 10 meters. It's like a, a beach chair, you could say. So we put uh, four poles on the ground. Two poles are slightly higher, two poles are lower. And between those four poles, we have a cloth, you could say, of, uh, of solar panels. So around 400 solar panels. And they it, it bends through. And on the low, so of course it's oriented towards the sun. So we did all simulations. Okay, what's the best position to harvest the most energy? And at the lowest part of this cloth, we made a hole. So we took away some panels. And there's a stair leading you as a visitor through that hole. So actually, when you step on the stair, you stick your, your head through that hole. And you see all these beautiful panels because they're beautiful, because they're colored. So it's not the ugly black blue panel you refer to, but there's a special paint on that glass to to make it colorful. It was a gradient, a bit. Yeah, so it was a, you could say the the sunspot. Yeah? So you really felt the energy of the sun. It was more red and then orange, and then it faded to blue, to to blend with uh, with with the sky. And you, as a visitor, were at that heart, at that lowest point. So actually, you could touch. The solar panels, you're part of the very beautiful, color, colorful field of solar panels. And underneath, it was creating space. So the pavilion was a, a meeting place for people just to sit and relax and to talk uh, on the Dutch Design Week. And what we did is that we harvested the energy during the day, of course. The sun was on those solar panels and we could harvest energy. We stored that energy. And when the sun would go down, we would uh, let people experience the power of the sun once more. And of course, the power of the sun is light and heat. So what we did, we had the beautiful uh, lights underneath the, the cloth, you could say. And also, therefore, that was also circular because I contacted uh, Trilux as a company to, uh, hey, can you help us out? Because you have lighting as a service. So you fit in our message. Can you please supply some, uh, some lights? And uh, they decided within one day, yes, we participate. Uh, so those lights were turned on during the evening, a beautiful radiant ce uh, ceiling, you could say. And we built this cupboard, this cabinet with infrared panels, and there you could experience the heat of the sun. So it, when it becomes chilly, you would put your back against those panels and uh, uh, you will felt comfortable. So again, it's really the, the phenomena of the sun, the light and the heat, which was experienced uh, during uh, nighttime. Yeah. Was there one big takeaway that you uh, experienced yourself from these two big projects? 
yeah, the, the biggest takeaway is um, um, that we as specialists, as we as designers, we are busy with those themes on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, for us, it's, it's not rocket science, it's what we do. And every day we try to come up with new innovations and new solutions. But for those visitors, it's all new. Yeah, for me, a colored solar panel is, yeah, I know it exists and we can use it. But I think for 90% of the people, it was completely new. They did not know it was a solar panel. So I think the biggest takeaway for us as designers is that, yes, we need to persuade on this message because there's so many people to be inspired and to be convinced that there are more beautiful solutions to technical uh, problems, you could say. The thing is, we think that we have enough energy. So we keep on producing solar panels. We keep on producing um, um, batteries and, and, and those kind of things. But of course, at the end, we should use less energy. And only if you're able to understand where energy is coming from, if you need to store it yourself, imagine that the, the battery of your car is also your daily storage of energy uh, for uh, what you can use as a consumer in your household, perhaps, then you know that you need to be a little bit uh, mindful, mindful and, uh, and, and not spoil it. And now you just switch on uh, the light and energy is there. And I, I think that that's 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 the main the main thing that we need to understand where our resources are coming from, that they are uh, end, uh, not endless, uh, and that we should uh, take care of it. Yeah. And is there a, a one person that inspires you? What I like very much is uh, the work of uh, an artist Olafur Eliasson, uh, who in a very beautiful poetic way makes visible the power of nature. It's about water, it's about ice, it's about the, the sun, it's about wind, it's about, but also um, reflections and, and mirroring. And it's so poetic. And I think that we need more of that poetry. But somehow we need to combine poetry with pragmatism, basically, to make things be, uh, meaningful. Yeah, okay. And is there, uh, if you look at also young designers is there like a starter kit that you can use as an architect this makes my building more sustainable more durable i don't believe that there's one toolkit toolkit or one solution because i also know that the things which we do now and we find very sustainable now are of course the pollution in 50 years time imagine the the, the light bulb the light bulb was invented around 1853 and then wow we had light Cool, great innovation. And now we feel that it it makes more, it produces more heat than light actually. So it's a very bad product. So we went into LED lighting. So every generation has its own solutions to a certain problem. We as an office are more interested in what we call um, life cycle design. So when you do a structure of a building, and there's a lot of effort, a lot of energy in there. So make sure that it could last for 200 years. So be very smart on what's the life cycle of aspects of a building. So we don't throw away buildings, but we keep on, in an organic way, creating our cities and our built environment. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you say about the, like the character or the culture of a place. Mm-hmm. That is also meaningful. and we should Yeah, absolutely. Because it, yeah, if you just away. put something there as a temporary house... Um, I mean, it, it is to say what I like so much about 
our cities, old cities, they tell stories. You walk there, you know that generations before you have also worked there. I mean, that's also why people like to work in industrial loft offices or they like to live in industrial lofts because those are structures which tell a story about the past. They have a meaning to you. And if everything is new coming from the factory and being replaced after 20 years, it becomes meaningless. That's true. Yeah. How do you look at your own city or your place here in Rotterdam? It has... Uh its own past and with World War II and being bombed and a lot of new yeah. uh, buildings had to be yeah, built in a yeah. short period of time. Yeah, I, I also think that in Rotterdam we have the tendency of, um, let's say, the, this ambition of only new is good. Uh, we, 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 we demolish. Luckily, this has changed now, I think, since the fi- last five years. And it's also part of my profession, profession of course. I'm an architect and I'm used to create new buildings. But um, I think we every time now we ask ourselves the question, okay, what's the value of what is already there? Can we expand it? Can we renovate it? Can we give, give it a different purpose? Um, in Rotterdam, we have a lot of, let's say, architecture post-war, even after 65. And it's, of course, for us, those are the new monuments. And... Um, we we tend to see that things which are coming from the 19th century as monumental and valuable, but especially things after the World War, they are the DNA of our city. So we should all treat them with with care and uh, not demolish them and replace by another skyscraper. What do you hope to that will happen if we look at in the future for maybe like 10 years time, not not super far ahead? What would you hope to happen? especially in our built environments? I would hope and that's that we uh, mix two things. So we really make use of bio-based materials. That can be like wood, but it can also be like the, the mycelium, eh, what we used in, uh, in Dubai. So actually with mushrooms, you can grow uh, inner walls. We're actually doing some experiments with, uh, with that. So we use the natural materials to build our environment, um, but we also build our environment to last for a long time. So we keep on creating stories uh, for the future. If you're able to combine those, those two ambitions, so much more bio-based, less carbon oxide, and really building sustainable cities for the future, I think we're doing a good job. Okay, thank you very much. Um, you're very welcome. <laughs> would you like to add something to this story? Is there something you'd like to tell well, the world? One advice, <laughs> keep on trying, keep on pushing, and also... Uh, dare to fail. Uh, also with the solar pavilion, we, we just we tried it. We, we made the phone calls. We pushed uh, ourselves very, uh, very strongly for for five months. Uh, but we also took some risks, like not knowing on forehand that it will happen. The same way with the Dutch pavilion in Dubai. We invited all these artists and innovators with their kind of premature innovations, and we said, okay, we have three years to make it happen. Let's give it a try. So try to experiment and try to innovate. Okay, that's a nice way to end. Thank you very much for this uh, interview. Thank you. This was the Kibble podcast with Michiel Raaphorst of V8 Architects. Read more about his projects with solar designer Marjan van Aubel on getinspiredbylight.com. On the next episode, I talk to Mark Lepelaar, engineer and owner of NPSP an Amsterdam-based company that creates bio-based solutions. And we make uh, perfect products. Uh, so for instance, we made a hemp scooter. A hemp a, scooter? Yeah, it's uh, behind you. Uh, <laughs> so it's made out of hemp uh, with a binder. 
Uh, it's a monocoque uh, structure, so we made a structure we can make in composite, but not so easy in metal or, or wood. Get Inspired by Light is an initiative of Trilux, 